Welcome to St. James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid Sunday service, which was held on October the 17th, 2021. To find out how to join St. James online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. Welcome to St. James's on this Driech Sunday morning. Uh, welcome to those of you joining us from home. Um, I'll be la- leading the first part of our service this morning, and then Richard will be emerging from his small corner to reflect for us, and Ian will be leading the second part of our service. We'll start by gathering in a few moments of quiet. Um, Ian's going to light our candle here, and those of you at home, if you'd like to light a candle to symbolise that we're gathered in God's presence together.
to come and read our first reading now. The first reading is taken from Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 11. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him, the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish, he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I'll try not to ramble on too long. Um, uh, I've been listening to um, a series of lectures and a film in the last uh, week or so by a man called Gabor Mate. I don't, some of you may know him. He's a psychologist, doctor and a psychologist. And um, it's a series of talks called The Wisdom of Trauma. And uh, so it's got me thinking a, a lot about trauma. One of the things he says is that uh, there are two kinds of people, those who've been traumatized and those who don't know they've been traumatized. So I, I suppose I was born at a very young age, as they say. Um, and I would have said I had a happy childhood, like many people would say they had a happy childhood. But I qualify that by saying, well, two-thirds of the time from the age of nine, I wasn't actually at home at all. I was, uh, I was away at boarding school. When people complain about being away at boarding school, there's the temptation to say, it's all right for you. You had a privileged upbringing, you know, had everything you wanted. And, um, uh, and in a sense, that's true. But th this, the little voice that says, what have you got to complain about 
is a voice which can uh, suppress and repress emotions and wounds and hurts, and it can be passed on from generation to generation. I was, um, I knew from a young age that I was going to somewhere called Radley. One of my earliest memories is my aunt saying to me, you'll still be in nappies when you go to Radley. So uh, I must have been quite young. I don't think I was like five. <laughs> I was probably two. Um, and I knew what Radley was. Radley was a school that my father had been to, and I knew I was going there. I knew I was going to be sent away. And actually, I was sent away at the age of nine to a prep school. And I think um, I sensed that there was something wrong with me, and that's why I was going to have to be sent away. Uh, I sensed that I was a disappointment to my parents in some mysterious way, and I needed to be fixed. And of course, when I got to this Radley place, I was horrendously bullied for a few years. But I never told my parents that, because to tell them that I wasn't getting on very well in this house of correction would have been to disappoint them even further. So that was all kind of just kept quiet. And um, after I left that school, uh, I went to university, and I chose the university that was furthest away from my home. I went to Southampton University right on the south coast. I could have gone to university much closer to home, but I think I had this idea I needed to be sent away to get whatever it was that was wrong with me fixed. So I went there. I didn't like that very much. And then um, after two years of that, um, I had the opportunity to go on, on a trip, and I went to Morocco, which was even further and scarier. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very, very scary place, and I got into some uh, terrible scrapes. But just before I went there, I met um, two Christians from a community in the south of Spain and had a long chat with them. And it was kind of interesting, but I didn't think too much of it. And then I went to Morocco and got into a very scary situation. And all I could think about was this community that they told me about in the south of Spain. And I knew that I had to go there, absolutely had to go there. And a few days later, I, I, I arrived there, and Stuart was already there. Stuart is sitting right in, right in front of me, was already there. He'd arrived a few weeks before. And uh, I... And suddenly, everything began to make sense. I found out what was wrong with me. It was my sin. And God was willing to forgive me. And it was the most tremendous release. Uh, felt that huge weight just fell off me. Unfortunately, um, it wasn't very long before I realized there was, a, there was a price to be paid. I had a family, and I was very aware that, that, that these people in this community, an evangelical fundamentalist community, that they were my family, and I felt accepted, but I had to conform. And I found out that God was actually very disappointed in me, but he wasn't disappointed in Jesus. And when God looked at me, he didn't see me, he saw Jesus in me, and Jesus was the child that he'd always wanted. So... That was fine as long as I stayed on the right side of the fence and uh, I didn't stray. Because if I did, God was 
very capable of um, punishing me eternally. And this was a traumatic, um, traumatic realization. And I didn't realize how traumatic it was at the time, and I think probably we don't. But maybe there's a few of us here, maybe that's why some of us are here, because um, we have been traumatized by a version of Christianity which, uh, which takes things so literally. And I was thinking, because of listening to these lectures, I was, it suddenly occurred to me that Christianity came out of a traumatized religion. The Jewish people, were, the, the Israelites, were exiled, persecuted, been through extraordinary suffering. And the religion that emerged from it was partly um, had echoes of, of revenge and hatred of enemies. And we read things in, in church of mind-blowing brutality. And at the end we say, and this is the word of the Lord. And I sometimes want to say, this is not the word, of, this is the word of trauma. This is the words of a traumatized people. Obviously, there are words of God in there, but there are also words of, of tremendous hurt. And I don't think it's an accident that they're there. I think we can, we can see an echo, perhaps, of our own pain and our own hurt in some of these words. And, of course, Jesus comes along, who had a traumatized childhood, um, if ever there was one. You know, imagine, if the story is true, what, what it must have been like for him his birth and his growing up with this man. Is he my father or is he not? What are the, you know, what are the neighbors saying? What, is the, what, are, what do the other children in the playground say to Jesus? What do they know, they find out about his antecedents? And this, this exile going into Egypt and, you know, they were, they were refugees. Um, and somehow he managed to work through his wounds and his trauma and come out as a healer. And I think that is a wonderful thing and the challenge perhaps for all of us. But the trouble is if we don't know that we're wounded, if we think, oh, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And what we say to one another after church, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine because I'm the same as I was yesterday. Nothing dreadful has happened since yesterday, so I must be fine. This must be it. This is normal. I'm not, you know, I don't have any problems. I go to church for goodness sake. This isn't a place for people with problems. Place of people who've got their lives sorted out. Well, of course it isn't. Why do we break the bread? I mean, it's the brokenness. We're a broken people. And I think we should, um, we should trust one another more to say, you know, to say, actually, I'm really very frightened and very messed up, and I've been through some dreadful things that people tell me I shouldn't complain about, but um, I'm wounded. And maybe we don't even realize we are because we become comfortably numb. We numb ourselves because it's just um, it's too much to even think about. So I think of this, a church should be an ICU, an intensive care unit, but also an I see you and you can see me. And I will come out of my little small corner because there shouldn't be corners for you. We used to sit in a circle, you know, and there's something wonderful about a circle. There's no corners, and we look at one another across the circle, and, and we, can, we can heal one another. I, I do believe that, but I think we have to recognize our woundedness and, 
and somehow come to terms with it. And it's a lovely, very small poem. I'm just going to finish with this because that's it's more than 10 minutes. And it's by um, this amazing poet called Charon Harkin. Uh, it's a lovely book of poems. And it's just called Please. And it says, Our deeply held wounds are buds simply requesting, please bring me to light. So, if you have been, thank you for listening. Look to God. Do not be afraid. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. Dear God, as we come to pray this morning, many of us long for you. We long for you. We know that you are the source of our healing. And we thank you that you draw near. So we lift our voices to you in prayer for healing, for the healing that you bring. And we pray for the healing of the world, for the beautiful planet you have made. We acknowledge the mess we have made, how our iniquities, our greed, our thoughtlessness have endangered so much. And we dare to pray for your blessing on Glasgow in a couple of weeks' time for the summit. That the nations and all who come and all who are involved may put aside competitive instincts, efforts to look good, efforts to, to assign blame to others. And in gracious and bold ways, agree what to do next. May this COP summit be remembered as a moment of healing for our planet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray this morning for the healing of our democracy. We remember the family of David Amos. We ask that you would console them. We give thanks today for those who are willing to stand for election, to represent others. We pray you give them courage not to be afraid and wisdom. And we use the words in one of our songs that you defend democracy and defend us from all the forces from every side who would sow mistrust and fear. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for healing in our community, St. James, for all of us. We all need healing. And you see how things are with us as a community, how we grapple with things. We grapple with re-emerging from the lockdown. We grapple with how to capture the imagination of our young people. But you also see our desire to be your people, to be near to you. So help us together and individually to be a source of healing to each other, to those around us who struggle to make ends meet, 
to those who are angry and upset, to those who are simply lost. Help us to point faithfully to the one who draws near, who heals. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, in a moment of quiet, we pray for healing for those who hurt, for those who are thirsty, that they might come to running waters, running streams. In a moment of quiet, let's remember before God those who we know who are hurting today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Thank you for those prayers, Frank, and thank you for that reflection, Richard. Um, it's always been my belief that uh, churches should be at their best places of healing, and uh, I've always thought that we needed to take the cross away from the courtroom, which is where a lot of theology is, into uh, the hospital or the caring. Um, and we do worship a God who by Christ's wounds we are healed and I think as Richard said once we own our own wounds it's through our wounds that we can heal one another and to be a healing community I think vulnerability our vulnerability with one another our honesty our acceptance is absolutely key and it's certainly one of my um, visions, I suppose, priorities, is always to have, try and create communities of healing. And uh, most of the churches I've been involved in have been places almost like refugees from other churches um, have come to be accepted and healed. And my prayer is, uh, and my hope, uh, and my belief is that St. James uh, will be and can increasingly be uh, a place of healing. So, Richard, I really appreciate uh, the honesty of that talk, the vulnerability, uh, which I think has made it really powerful. I think we can all resonate with that. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. So we now come to a time of peace, and as we offer peace to one another, let's also <laughs> offer our wounds and uh, our whole selves to one another uh, in church and also at home by the wave of peace and uh, namaste, or however we might want to um, offer our peace and healing to one another. So please stand for the peace.
Lord Jesus Christ, gathered in your name, we bind ourselves to you and to each other in the tasting of food and drink, symbols of nourishment and sharing. We break this bread for our beautiful, broken earth that provides so generously for us and call to mind our responsibility to tread lightly in this world so that with wisdom and care we may preserve the blessing of God's creation. We break this bread for those who have none, the starving, the homeless, and the refugee, for those who seek asylum in our city, that with passion, struggle, and engagement, we may find justice for the poor. And we break this bread for the broken relationships, discord, and violence between different groups and people. In the breaking of the bread, we remember our common God-given humanity so that we may work for peace with justice and truth. And finally, we break this bread for the broken parts of ourselves, the wounded child in us all, for our broken relationships, that we may grow into the wholeness that is in Christ. Amen.
for all God's goodness. God's love shall last forever. Generous and faithful God, you have fed us with your day. May the nourishment we have received enable us to enrich the lives of others wherever we may go So on the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the grey window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colours, indigo, red, green and azure blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. And when the canvas frays in the curragh of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. And may the nourishment of the earth be yours, may the clarity of light be yours, and may the fluency of the ocean be yours, and may the protection of your ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. Mm -hmm. Amen.